Federal News Network's Open Season Hotline, presented by GEHA. Today's question, I am recently divorced from a federal employee. How can I get coverage under my former spouse's FEHB plan? This is called spouse equity. It allows the former spouse of a federal employee or annuitant to enroll in FEHB. Your former spouse's employing office or retirement system will decide whether you are eligible for spouse equity. Here are some of the requirements. You were divorced during your former spouse's employment or receipt of annuity. You were covered as a family member for at least one day during the 18 months before your marriage ended. You're entitled to a portion of your former spouse's annuity or survivor annuity. And you haven't remarried before age 55. Check out our open season hotline presented by GEHA. Head over to federalnewsnetwork.com and search open season hotline. Send us your questions. We'll read the answers daily at six past the hour here on the Federal Drive. Nearly a year after President Donald Trump signed the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, agency chief data officers have some projects in mind, but limited budgets to implement them. The Data Foundation has highlighted some agency best practices for funding this work, including a proposed government-wide fund. Nick Hart, president of the Data Foundation and president and CEO of the Data Coalition, tells our Jory Heckman where agencies go from here. Where we are today, we've seen many, though not all, of the agencies name their chief data officers. Some, though not all, agencies name their evaluation officers or statistical officials required by the law. The agencies that uh, moved very quickly, I think there's a lot of uh, signs of progress, and it's promising that the enthusiasm that seems to exist in those agencies will likely manifest in good change. The agencies that have not yet named their chief data officers, I think, are concerning. Uh, in some cases, we know there is just no one identified. In other cases, like the Department of Treasury, there are currently five officials acting in joint capacity for the chief data officer role. And frankly, it's time for Treasury to figure out who their CDO is going to be. It's, an, it's a large, important agency. In the cases where we've seen individuals dual-hatted as chief data officers, that can also be problematic. The role of a chief information officer is really important, uh, focusing on IT systems and procurement. TDOs have a slightly different function, and they're charged under the Evidence Act to have a slightly different role. And so envisioning that anyone could do both of those roles is, I think, ambitious and problematic all at the same time. So where we've seen folks dual-hatted, I think it's important for those agencies to try to figure out how they make it somebody's full-time job as quickly as possible. Since we just spoke about the CIO piece of this, uh, I think it segues very nicely into some of the funding mechanisms for this. IT has always been a squeaky wheel that in some cases does get funding and as you pointed out, in a lot of cases, data is similar, but not always the same mission as IT. They work alongside, but not necessarily the full mission. And so, you know, just in looking at the current, I guess, pockets of funding for data in agencies, you know, what works, what doesn't, and who's leading the charge on at least giving financial support to data well, the Data Foundation released a white paper recently called Funding the Evidence Act, and it was explicitly a chance to look at the different funding mechanisms that exist for not IT systems, but data quality, data management, data collection issues, and data analytics. What we identified was that, first of all, it's really hard to know how much government actually spends on these because we don't track it. Secondly, we learned that there are actually a lot of different mechanisms in place today uh, across the agencies, some more effective than others that, that we use to fund these types of activities. Some, for example, include things like uh, set-asides of existing funding authority. So the Department of Labor has a set-aside authority for conducting a certain type of data analytics, and it's a percentage of their budget that they allocate for their chief evaluation officer. 
the Social Security Administration has an authority where they can take a portion of their end-of-year balances and roll them into supporting IT systems and certain data activities. So when you look across the federal government, the solution that exists for everybody is probably going to be a little different. And it's a case-by-case approach to ensuring the agencies have the right level of resources. But we know that these types of mechanisms exist. So that means it's incumbent on Congress, it's incumbent on agencies and Office of Management and Budget to identify which of those mechanisms make the most sense for agencies. Right. So as you point out, different solutions for different agencies. But looking forward into the art of the possible here, I, it looks like this white paper also does propose in some of its recommendations something that is more akin to a central fund for government-wide use in this kind of realm. And could you just go into a little bit more detail of what that looks like and how that might be a potential solution? Yeah. So there are two ideas that are proposed in the white paper for mechanisms that don't currently exist. One is an interagency budget account that OMB would control. And the reason that's a good idea is because in the short term, OMB has the best lens on which agencies need new resources to support data governance, data management, and data quality activities. And they will, if the mechanism was in place today, they'd be able to allocate that funding to support the new chief data officers and the other officers and leaders across agencies that need the most help. The second idea is something called an evidence incentive fund. And this was reflected in the Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking Recommendations back in 2017. And the goal in this paper was to try to explain what that really is. The evidence incentive funds are envisioned as the strategy for taking uh, residual balances from agencies at the end of a fiscal year and extending the life of that money and making it available specifically for data governance, data management, and data use activities. Some agencies can do this today, but most can't. And so this would be a way of creating new resources for agencies, but without ignoring the fact that we're in a tough budget time. And uh, there's not going to be a massive new appropriation for many of these activities. So it's a way of being creative about how we better use the funds that government's already appropriating. Turning back to the white paper, as far as funding solutions, I remember one agency was using a working capital fund to fund some of its work with data innovations, data science. That seems to be more of a thing geared towards the IT side of the agency. But maybe if you go into a little bit more detail of that recommendation and the success that that agency's already had with using that working capital fund for data. So agencies have a lot of flexibility to use working capital funds for key priorities inside agencies. The Department of Transportation is the example highlighted in the white paper of an agency that has done that for some data management activities, though not all. In reality, it's not the perfect solution for how we fund these activities going forward. Working capital funds are are used for a whole host of things, and it's ultimately a competitive fund inside agencies. So what we need to be able to do is identify a long-term sustainable funding source for ensuring that data management is not just a priority today, but a priority for long in the future. Right. And support exists beyond just the financials. We were talking a little bit about the leadership piece of this uh, with CDOs, but certainly there's a workforce behind them as well. And just generally speaking, data scientists, we heard a little bit about reskilling efforts inside of agencies and, you know, as well as recruiting outside, looking for this data talent in the private sector, in academia and elsewhere. Looking forward in trying to get this Evidence Act rolled out. What do you see as the key skills that agencies should look for in new recruits? There are actually a lot of key skills that are necessary for the technical details that are needed inside agencies. But if you were to summarize all of that, it's a motivation for public service and also a willingness to innovate and to fail. 
And when you take those things together, it's what I think reflects good public servants, which is when we make mistakes, we improve. We take the lessons from those. We figure out how to apply those lessons to ultimately create better policy. So whether a policymaker in Congress or in the White House or somebody in the most junior level of an agency as a data analyst, this is an essential skill set that we have to have in place. And then there's a whole host of technical skills that are required as well. You know, it seems like time and again, we're always looking at these statistical agencies as kind of a model for how this has worked. They have a pretty deeply entrenched culture of, you know, a lot of what the Evidence Act hits on, uh, not just data access, but also data privacy and, and ensuring that there's a proper level of access for these things. But are there any other best practices or any other lessons learned that agencies who are maybe behind the curve on these things could uh, learn from what's already being done? Well, the best advice for agencies that are, as you say, behind the curve is to recognize that there are folks out there that are thinking about this every day. There are agencies to specifically ask for help. There are folks in the private sector who have developed solutions that can be responsibly used by government agencies today to help meet these demands. Uh, One example of that would be as agencies are creating data inventories. I've heard a lot of agencies, they've called and said they're looking at ways to put this information in spreadsheets and email the spreadsheets around. And that would be a travesty if that's what any government agency did in modern society because there are much better solutions out there and at a low cost can be acquired from the private sector for good. Nick Hart, president of the Data Foundation and the Data Coalition, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.